today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. These things, says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, verse 16, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. You make me sick to my stomach. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 1 Timothy. Be on fire for the Lord. In today's message from Pastor J.D., he encourages you to be a passionate witness for God. God doesn't like a lukewarm Christian. He would rather you be totally on fire or cold, but lukewarm, he despises that. Pastor J.D. urges you to be completely committed to your walk with Jesus Christ. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear more information about how you can get a copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in 1 Timothy chapter 4 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. These are literal letters that were sent to literal churches known in that day as Asia Minor, modern day it's known as Turkey. These are churches in those cities. You can go visit the remains of those cities modern day. I wouldn't recommend it right now, just, you know, saying. But um, that presupposes you can even get there. I digress. But these are seven churches in seven cities. And Jesus has John write to these seven churches at that time that would paint this prophetic picture in our time in the last days. And this last seventh of the seven churches, the church of Laodicea, is a prophetic picture of the condition of the church today. And there are some details here that I would like for us to look at and talk about. Verse 14, right out of the chute. This is interesting. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, right. Why is that interesting? Because the six churches prior, it's not to the angel of the church of Ephesus, it's to the, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, to the angel of the church in Smyrna, to the angel of the church in Sardis, to the angel of the church in Thyatira, Pergamos, Pergamum, Philadelphia. But when he gets to this church of Laodicea, he says to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, it's not even my church. Remember now, this is the one, as we'll see in a moment, where he's standing on the outside knocking to get back in. He's not even inside anymore. And you know what's really interesting? Laodicea is a combination of two English words, laity and diocese, or rule, or decision. In other words, this seventh church, this church of Laodicea, is a church that is calling their own shots. They're making all the decisions. 
the laity decide. The laity rule. Jesus is not in His rightful place on the throne at the center of this church. He's on the outside wanting to come back in. These things, says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, verse 16, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. You make me sick to my stomach. You know what's interesting about this? Laodicea was located close in proximity to another city there in modern-day Turkey called Hierapolis. We read about it in the book of Acts. Hierapolis, actually, again, you could go there today, the most magnificent and spectacular hot springs, natural hot springs. I mean, unbelievable. You can go online if you want and look at photos of these natural hot springs in Hierapolis. So here's Laodicea, right? They don't have those hot springs, but what they do have is a lot of money. It's a very wealthy church, as we're going to see here in a moment. So you know what they did? They built these sophisticated and elaborate water systems to bring the hot springs from Hierapolis into Laodicea. Why not? They could afford it. But here's the problem. By the time that hot water got to Laodicea, it wasn't hot anymore. It was lukewarm. Ah, that's what he's saying here. And they would have gotten that Oh my goodness, they were like, oh, no he didn't. Yes he did. You know when you're thirsty and you, you drink lukewarm water? No, I don't want lukewarm water. I want cold, ice cold water. But no, you're not even that. You know how when, well of course here in Hawaii we don't really relate so much to it, but when I lived on the mainland there were some really cold days. And nothing, nothing like a nice hot cup of coffee. Lukewarm coffee. <laughs> I'm sorry for the silliness of the illustration, but I think you get the point. You're neither hot nor cold. You're lukewarm. Now verse 17, it gets even more interesting. He says, because you say, I am rich. Laodicea at the time was the banking center of the known world. Extremely wealthy. Have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you. He's talking to a church. I counsel you, verse 18, to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. Interesting to note, Laodicea in that day was known as the fashion capital of the world. And so he's talking about, you think you've got the latest and greatest of, of fashions and clothing? You're naked. And it was also on the cutting edge of medical 
uh, breakthroughs, specifically in the area of the eyes. And that's why he says, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. Now picture this church. I, I imagine in my mind's eye this, I mean, going, growing, glowing church, hip church. You can't find parking. Get there early. The greeters, come on in, just as you are. Ah, you don't need your Bible. And you sit, and they've got the coolest worship. I mean, smoke machines, man, because we can afford it. Oh no, by the way, just uh, as a side note, don't expect the pastor to get up there and preach the Word, because we don't want to offend anybody. So we just want you to come. We want everybody to feel welcome. Hey, all lives matter. Black lives matter. Yellow lives matter. Purple lives matter. Not eternal lives matter. And you can sit in a church like this, a Laodicean lukewarm church. You can sit in that church and you can leave and feel good about yourself. Because there's no conviction. There's no truth. It's a lie. Hey, it's all good. God loves everybody. Hey, we're all going to go to a better place. Kumbaya. Don't be doom and gloom. You'll never hear Bible prophecy in this church. I'm getting personal here. (laughs) By the way, it's not doom and gloom, it's doom and boom, and we're out of here. But that's another topic for another time. You can sit in that church, and you will not hear the good news of salvation found in the person of Jesus Christ. You know why? Because there's no talk of sin. So if there's no talk of sin, there's no need for the Savior. And that is a a pitiful, sickening church. (laughs) And to make matters even worse, this description that we have, it's like they are completely oblivious to it. And that's what pride does. You know, we have these antivirus, you know, softwares on our computer, and they're supposed to detect when there's a a virus. And then it quarantines it. Goodness, what are we Virus quarantine? No. Can't you use a different example? No. You know that there are viruses that are so sophisticated that they, in fact, disable the antivirus on your computers, and they completely, they under the radar, without detection, disable that which is there to detect it. And that's what pride does. It disables your ability to detect it. In other words, pride blinds. This, this is a church, I mean, hey, look at us. We're wealthy. We're rich. They could never say, silver and gold have I none, because silver and gold have we in abundance. So they can't also say, rise up and walk, because they're blind, they're crippled, 
they're naked. They think they're hot stuff with their clothing. But God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart and He says, you're naked and you're wretched. And you don't even see it. Get eyes salve from me so your eyes will be open, so you can see yourself in the true condition as I see you. Because see, your problem is you don't think you need. You have no need of. That's pride. Is that not pride? Pride says, yeah, no need. No need. That was his church. When you depart from the truth, you know what you're doing? Who's the truth? Who's the way, the truth, and the life? Jesus. You're you're departing from Jesus. Can I say it this way? You're kicking Him out of the church. We don't need you anymore. We'll take it from here. That's satanic, spiritual pride. And, And don't think for a second that God is angry as much as he is grieved. He's trying, he's trying to get through to them. He's trying to reason with them. It's almost as if he's pleading with them, please, please, as we're going to see now, buy from me this, because you don't think you need, because you have all that you need, but you don't realize your true condition. And he's, he's pleading, he's He says, as many as I love, He loves them. I rebuke and chasten. That's how you know. That's what the writer of Hebrews tells us. The way, here's the the litmus test to know that you're a child of God. You get a spanking, right? Because, oh, you must be His child, because you're not going to spank somebody else's child. Think about that. Oh, you're out in a restaurant. Those were the days. Um, and here's a, that's a thing actually. Here's this uh, family with young children, and they're, you know, little rascals and throwing food all over the place, and the parents don't do anything. And you think to yourself, those kids need a good licking, a good spanking. And, and everything within you says, I need to get up there and spank those children. I need to spank the parents is what I need to do, but... But you can't. Why? Because they're not your children. (laughs) He's saying to them, I love you so much. That's why I'm rebuking you and chastening you. If you weren't my child and I didn't love you so much, I wouldn't bother. You know, growing up, our children, we always tried to tell them that, you know, that I'm doing this because I love you, to which they usually responded, love me less. You know, it's that, this is going to hurt me a lot more than it's going to hurt you. Really? I mean, think about it. You, you, <laughs> you're not going to discipline or chastise your children if you don't love them. You're just going to say, yeah, go ahead. I don't care. And then he says, therefore, be zealous and repent. And verse 20, very well-known verse always used in the context of evangelism, which is fine. You know, behold, I stand at the door and knock. But in its true context, it's not knocking on the door of the heart of the non-Christian, not that Jesus doesn't. Of course He does. 
It's not God's will that any should perish, but he's knocking on the door of a church that has kicked him outside of the church. That's why he says, verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door. Stop right there. Aren't you glad, Laodicean church, that he didn't just leave? He's still at the door. He's not giving up because he loves you so much. He's standing at the door. He's, he's, he's standing and he's knocking. So, but they can't hear it because they got a rock concert. It's too loud in the worship in that church. <laughs> Sorry, that came out of nowhere, but whatever, you can do with it, whatever you want. And then he says this, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Now, in our culture, in our day, we completely miss this, the significance of this. Whenever we partake together of communion, we talk about this, the importance, the significance of breaking bread and eating together. You form an unbreakable bond unto death. You know, here in America, there's, I mean, it's, you know, it's nothing. So what? In the Middle East, to this day, everything is centered around food, which, (laughs) anyway, that's my story and I'm sticking with it. But the reason is, is because it's, it brings peace. It brings people together that were heretofore at enmity with one another. I shared about how many years ago when I was a young boy, my uh, family had a family feud. I mean a real family feud. Listen, you've not seen a feud until you've seen Arabs feud. We know how to feud, man. We wrote the book on it. Lasted for seven years. And they, I mean, it was, it was horrible. I just remember as a kid, especially during holidays, you know, everybody had to, oh, they're going to be there. Well, we'll have to come after them. So we couldn't, you know, it was just, it was horrible. And then finally, there was a coming together and a preparing of this huge feast. It took months. And the, the coming together and eating together was how they made peace one with another. That's what Jesus is saying here. Uh, we need to break bread together, sup together. I sup with you, you sup with me. And that's what he's asking. I would even venture to say pleading with them to do. And then in verse 21 he says, To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. And then verse 22, every one of the seven letters ends this way. He who has an ear, that's rhetorical. I, I have an ear. Actually, I have two. We talked about this Thursday night. You know those, those uh, sayings about God gave you two ears and one mouth, so you'd listen twice as much as you speak. That was written for me. And then, and then also, I know I, know I uh, got some comments on this, but 
Have you noticed that we don't have ear lids? That was the same reaction on Thursday night, so I'm just going to leave that one there too. We have eyelids. We can shut our eyes. We can't shut our ears, but we do. You know how you can be listening to somebody, but not really listening? I mean, you're, oh, you've, you've got it down. You can insert the, you know, oh, hmm, it's all right, in the right places to feign <laughs> that you're listening, but you're not listening. I mean, they're, they're talking, and then they catch you. They'll say, are you listening? You go, yeah, yeah. What did I say? Um, what, okay, tell me again. <laughs> oh, you weren't listening. In other words, just because you have an ear doesn't mean you hear. Uh, apparently, they have ears, but they're not hearing. So he says, he who has an ear, and you do, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let me just say one more thing on this, and then we'll move on to the Church of Philadelphia. So the Holy Spirit speaks, but He does so in a still, small voice. Again, we talked about this on Thursday night. The problem with us is that the volume of our lives is so loud, we can't hear. We have ears, but we can't hear. I shared about my high school teacher, Mr. Bowman. He had one of those really soft, he was one of those really soft-spoken, you know, monotone, very soft voice. And I'll never forget the first day in class, he starts off, we're all, you know, hey, <laughs> you know, and he starts off this way. Okay, class, at this time I'd like for you to take your seat and we'll begin the class today. And of course, leave it to me. I'm not proud of this, but you know, I'm like, hey, I can't hear you. Speak up. To which he says, no, quiet down. This is how I speak. And if you want to hear what I have to say, you're going to have to bring the volume down so you can. And I did. He was actually one of my favorite teachers. And I just had such a, and I had it opportunity actually at our 10-year class reunion to tell him, Mr. Bowman, I just want you to know that you are the object of many of my sermon illustrations, and I just want to say thank you, and I love you. (laughs) And I explained to him how I, you know, use that example about how God speaks. You know, God's not going to compete. He's not going to, we have all of these voices clamoring for our attention. And, And it's like God's going... You know, I'm I'm God. I'm not going to compete with that. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. We hope you continue to be encouraged in your faith as we learn from the book of 1 Timothy together. One of the greatest lessons from this book is that it doesn't matter how young or old you are. If God calls you to something, answer His calling. He's faithful to use you and your gifting to further the kingdom in powerful ways. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. As always, we encourage you to keep studying the Bible on your own. If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in this series, you'll be able to find them at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Maybe you've been listening today and you've become aware that you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. 
You may already read the Bible and may even attend church, but have you surrendered your life to Christ? If not, today's the day to make that change. If you're not sure where to start, please visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com right now and find the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This will give you step-by-step instructions and will answer questions you might have about why this is so important. We also encourage you to be part of a church. If you're in the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you join our church family. Come visit Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more and get directions at our website. Again, that's InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Thanks for joining us for In Spirit and Truth.